0: Help us, O God of grace, to remember that we are dust. Amen. On Ash Wednesday, the preacher generally has one of two topics to consider, sin or death. And in general, half of the preacher's work is to make the case for the reality of either. In a world in which religion is on the decline, the category sin just does not fit into most people's worldview anymore. Furthermore, we have been taught that we should not shame people or talk about their imperfections. So, naming the fact that we are all flawed and broken is generally not accepted in polite company. And so, in a sermon like that, the task becomes defining sin and getting us to the point of recognizing that, indeed, we are bound by sin and we need help from beyond ourselves to be freed from it. And so it might seem that when it comes to death, the preacher's job would be easier. After all, we have funerals here often. There are obituaries in the newspaper every day. But that assumption does not account for the fact that we live in a death-denying culture. Sure, intellectually, we know that none of us will live forever, but we do not generally live as if that is the case. So many people spend their lives building things that will not last, wealth, reputation, awards. As one ancient philosopher put it, people are so frugal in guarding their personal property But as soon as it comes to squandering time, they are most wasteful of the one thing in which they have a right to be stingy. In other words, we invest in the wrong things. We need help remembering what truly matters. Studies have shown over the past three decades that there has been a significant increase in the number of Americans who say that they would want a physician to do anything possible to extend their life, even in the case of incurable disease. Yes, we all know that death is inevitable, but we push it to the back of the closet and pretend I'll deal with that later. The comedian Woody Allen once joked, it's not that I'm afraid to die, I just don't want to be there when it happens. Now, as a joke, that works, right? Because it plays on our deep-seated anxieties. But as a way of actually dealing with death, it's a tragedy. Because the reality is when we avoid death, we also avoid life. And one of the problems with our modern world is that there is so little life in the day-to-day. It's just a grind. So though we focus on death and remember our mortal nature with ashes, we do so not to be morbid, not for the sake of focusing on death, but so that we can be more fully alive. In the 1400s, there was a writing known as the Ars Moriendi, which translates to the art of dying. The text was very influential. It helped people think about what it meant to die as a Christian, as a person of hope and expectation in a world full of famine, plague, and warfare. We would do well to practice this art. One author has said it is necessary to meditate early and often on the art of dying in order to succeed later in doing it properly just once. I'm not sure that I could put it any better than that. One way that I have been working on practicing this holy art of dying is with an app on my phone. Now, some I know will dismiss this as morbid or weird, and maybe it, it is, but I have found it to be life-giving. Now, the app it has sort of a silly name. It's called We Croak. It's based on a piece of wisdom, though, that comes from the East. To be a happy person, one must contemplate death five times daily. And so the app, if you install it on your phone, it will send you five notifications randomly throughout the day with a very simple message. Don't forget you're going to die. And then if you click the notification, you get a quote about life or death, and I recommend it. But at the heart of the matter, what meditating on death helps us to do is to recognize that death is a horizon. But a horizon is nothing except the limits of our sight. It does not matter that when you stand on a beach and look towards the horizon that you cannot see the continents of Africa or Europe. They are still there even if we cannot see them now yes when we bump up against the limits of our mortality we will have questions and anxiety this is normal it is not unchristian what is not helpful though is to run away from this in fear or to give in to those fears abraham lincoln once said if i am killed i can die but once but to live in constant dread of it is to die over and over again in contemplating death we start to see it not so much as a threat but rather as a part of what it means to be a creature a creature who is always loved by god both on this side and the other of the grave and it is the assurance of our union with christ in his both his death and his rising that we can have the sort of confidence that saint paul had when he taunted death by writing, Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Or as St. Francis put it in a poem that we know as a hymn, And even you, most gentle death, waiting to hush our final breath, O praise him, you lead back home the child of God, for Christ our Lord that way has trod. When we meditate on death, we come and see the truth that life is changed, not ended, and that we are always alive in the love of God. But our fear of death now prevents us from being fully alive and truly flourishing in the abundance of life that has been given to us. And this is where we can deploy Lenten disciplines to help. We do not give things up or take things on to show the world how good we are or how much willpower we have. No, we give up things that hold us back from the fullness of life. If technology is eating up too much of our time, we give it up so that we can more fully savor life. If certain foods or drinks are perhaps cutting into our lifespan, we give them up for a bit to embrace the gift of life more fully. If certain practices or hobbies are preventing us from experiencing the holiness of life, we release ourselves from their power. Today, we will have ashes placed on our foreheads as reminders of our mortality. And when we put those ashes on your forehead, you might end up with some dust on your lips and on your tongue. And this will remind us of the dryness of death. But after that, we will then receive the bread of life and the cup of salvation, which is far sweeter and more enduring of a taste. And having considered that we are dust, how much sweeter it is to taste God's amazing grace.